0: Somebody say love is blind. Now come on, say it with your chest, say love is, blind. love is blind. Look at your neighbor, whichever one you like the best. Them right in their face, right in their personal space. Come on, say neighbor. I picked you first. Because you look more friendly. Tell them love is, blind. love is blind. Find another neighbor, your second option. Come on, look at them, look at them. Tell them love is blind. Love is, blind. is anybody excited for this relationship series? I'm telling you, when I get excited about a series, my right toe starts tingling just a little bit. I am excited to go with you on what is going to be a five week journey as we talk about relationships. Relationships, love is blind. We're going to talk about the thing that every single person in this room, every single person watching online, shout out social, global, every single person under the sound of my voice has to deal with, and that is relationships. Relationships are inevitable. We all have to deal with it. I don't care how much you say, I'm good by myself. Me, myself, and I, that's all I need. Please stop playing. You need somebody. You were wired for connection. You were created for intimacy, and that's why I'm excited for this five-week journey. Love is blind. Relationships. Now, real quick, I need you to do me some do me a favor because I'm already preaching, and, and this room is already preaching. Just look around this room. Look around this room right now. Look around, look around. Look around. Look around. Look around. Look around. All in the back. Look around. We were literally bringing in more chairs to get in seats in here for everybody. We usually have a good crowd, but look at everybody up in here today. It was the same in the first service. You know why everybody's here? Cause we talking about relationships. If I was doing a series on the sovereignty of God or the holiness of God, wouldn't be nobody up in here, but look at everybody showing up on relationships. Some of y'all were dragged in here today and say, look, if you want to talk to me, you need to come here, Pastor Madu, and you need to hear what he says about relationships. It is funny to me that all of us being here today is proof positive that this is a big deal, that your relationships are a concern for you. But here's what blows my mind is relationships tend to be the thing that we put a do not disturb sign on as it relates to God. When it comes to God, it's like, God, you can have every area of my life, faith, that's cool, worship, that's cool. But oh, relationship? No, I'm good. Do not disturb me on my relationship. Most of us, when it comes to our relationships, you know what our process is? I see it. I want it. I pursue it. I get in it. And then I pray for the Lord to fix it when it's jacked up. <laughs> That's most of our process. But today we're going to begin a journey to do relationships the way God created and intended for them to be done. Look at your neighbor and say, I know this series is for you. I know it's, I know it's for you. It's interesting to me. It's all right. not say like get a number. Come on, come back, come back. It's interesting to me. Hear me that most of the calls that we get for counseling are around relationship. Most of the prayer requests that we get right here at this altar where tears are cascading down people's face is as a result of a broken heart or a failed relationship. I did my due diligence. I did a survey on the gram And uh, I put up a picture of me and my bride, and I I asked y'all, I asked y'all, I said, what y'all want to talk about? Let's talk about relationships, and you should see what came in. This is straight from the gram of what y'all wanted to talk about in relationships. Somebody is asking, uh, is there a such thing as the one? Somebody said, I want to talk about discernment in dating. Somebody said, I want to talk about boundaries in dating. Somebody, This made me laugh. Somebody put in all caps with about 23 exclamation points, sex. (laughs) Somebody said, I want to talk about what to do in a marriage after a spouse has been unfaithful. Somebody said, I want to talk about how to handle a spouse that has an addiction. Somebody else wants to know, how do you approach conflict? You got to approach it. It's coming straight for you. Somebody said, uh, I want to know, should money be split half and half? How do you handle finances in a relationship? Ooh, this one made me laugh. Somebody wrote in. This is straight from the ground. How do you handle when a husband says he's a Christian and tells a wife to submit, but he uses excuses for his repeated selfish behavior? I said, God just put his ad handle on there too. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> Somebody said, I want to know. How to be content in your single season. Somebody say, I want to know about communication. Somebody wants to know about navigating blended families. Navigating in-laws. <laughs> navigating interracial relationships. Ooh, this one made me laugh. How to handle baby mama, baby daddy drama in a godly way. <laughs> and the list. <laughs> Goes on and on and on, and I got good news. We're gonna handle all of it in this series. We're gonna handle all of it. Really, forget five weeks. We're gonna six years. Man, let's talk about it today. Let's just take the whole day and talk about it. But here's what I want to promise. I, I can't promise that we'll handle all of those issues, but I can promise you this. I can promise you that if you will lean into what God wants to do and speak to you in this series, it will change your life. If you will, I can promise you this, that this series is for everybody, everybody. This is for those of you who are single and satisfied. Let me see your hands, single and satisfied. I'm good, I'm good, I'm healed, I don't need anybody. Single and satisfied, I wanna talk to y'all. This is for y'all who are single and searching. Let me see your hands, single and searching, single and searching. No commercials, single and searching. This is for y'all. This is for y'all who are engaged. Are you engaged? Anybody engaged in the room? I want to talk to y'all. Shout out to y'all. These are for y'all who are happily married. All my happily married people, put your hands in the air like you just do care. Come on, happily married. Let me see your hands. Miserably married. Let me see your hands. Let me see it. Stop. Don't. Don't do that. Don't do that. I wanna to talk to y'all. I wanna to talk to y'all who are single again. Single again. And you jumping into the waters of dating. And here you are, 48, with a Snapchat trying to figure out. <laughs> how do you sin? Asking your nieces and nephews. I wanna to talk to y'all. I wanna to talk to those of you who are going through the pain. Of a divorce I want to talk to everybody and here's what I'm gonna ask over these next five weeks today is just the appetizer over these next five weeks I'm gonna ask you to do something I'm gonna ask you to show up every single week just show up if you can't show up then go to our YouTube page and watch every message because you got to start making an investment in something that you want to see a return on I am blown away by the people who expect to get a return on things that they will not take time to make an investment in how is it that you'll spend several hours busy watching a show on Netflix, but you won't lean into five weeks of a series that could change the trajectory of your life, I'm going to ask you to lean in and keep showing up every single week to this series. That's what I'm going to ask of you every single week. We're going to go deeper and deeper and deeper into relationships. Here's another thing I want to ask of you. I want to ask that you understand that this preacher that is standing before you today is not a relationship expert. I'm gonna let you know right now. I know, shocking to you. I am not a relationship expert expert. I am a preacher, a promulgator of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am an expositor of the infallible, incorruptible, everlasting, immutable, unchanging word of God. I am not a relationship expert. I will tell you that right now. Now I am married to the finest woman on the planet and we are putting up double-digit numbers 11 years this year. I'll be married to the beautiful Taylor Maddux. We ain't got a perfect marriage, but we got a healthy marriage. And I want to tell you that I am not a relationship expert. And I want to say on the record today, nobody is a relationship expert. I don't care what they put in their little Instagram bio. You are not a relationship expert. I'm not saying there aren't people that have resources that are transferable and truths that you can implement and counselors and coaches. But please, nobody is a relationship expert because how many you know every relationship is different? It is different. And it's important that you understand that because there's going to be some nuance in this series and there's going to be something you're going to run with and you're going to go back to whoever it is you date you say, like, Pastor Medu said this and you need to do this. I'll be like, hold on, bring that back. Put that in context. Because the reality is nobody's a relationship expert. In fact, one of the most dangerous things that can happen is for somebody who's had success in a relationship or been married several years and then they come to you and say, we did it like this and if you do it like that, you can have what we had. Not necessarily. Because every relationship is different. But the reality is, if your heart is leaned into what God is saying to you about relationships, you can see a change in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, I know this series is for you. Come on, tell the other one, I know it's for you. So I don't come, hear me today, I don't come to you as a relationship expert I do come to you today, however, more like an EMT. I come to you like a concerned paramedic who has often been called when the damage of dumb relationship decisions have been done. That's how I come to you today. I come to you as a concerned paramedic who gets the call when the secret in the marriage has come out, who gets the call when hearts have been broken? Who gets the call when the physical abuse is happening? Who gets the call from the teenager that is being played back and forth between two parents who have not grown up and don't realize that the decisions you are doing now is causing damage to your child? That's how I'm coming to you today. I come to you today as a paramedic who is tired of watching people make decisions that will undermine their relationships. I come to you, ladies, as a pastor, as a brother that is tired of watching you allowing yourself to be treated as a commodity instead of as a daughter of the Most High God. Brothers, I'll come to you begging for you to walk in the fullness of the call of God that is on your life and to stop being hypocritical. And by hypocritical, I mean, who? I mean that if somebody did unto your sister. Do I have to finish it? Or did unto your single mama. What do you do to other women? What would you want to do to them? If it was your sister or your daughter on the other side of that screen that you're watching late at night. Would you keep watching? I want to speak to that hypocrisy that puts a standard on other men that you don't have for yourself. I'm coming as a concerned paramedic today saying that we've got to stop taking our cues from the world as it relates to relationships and say, God, help us do it the way you created it and the way you designed it to be. I know I'm not the only one who's ever watched somebody Make a decision that you know is going to undermine their relationship. Come on. Anybody ever watch somebody make a decision? Somebody that you love, somebody that you care about. You ever watch them make a decision? You're like, don't do that. That's going to damage you and damage the other person. Have you ever been that? Anybody ever seen that? Isn't it frustrating? Isn't it frustrating to watch them just go straight into it? Like, no! Don't do all the signs are there, and they can't see it, but you can see it. Come on, has anybody ever been there? You ever seen somebody that you love, somebody, a friend that you care about, a family member, and you can see all the red flags, and they can't see the red flags at all? And if they can see the red flags, they're like, no, I can't run. Those red flags are a parade. Let me run today. You're like, no! You don't see what you're doing, and they can't see it. Isn't that frustrating when they can't see it? It's frustrating when they can't see what you can't see. It's annoying. But you know why they can't see what you can see? The same reason you can't see what other people can see. This is the problem with love. And that's why the series is... It wouldn't be a message if I didn't have a visual. The series is love is blind because love is the thing. That has the uncanny ability to blind us to the oblivious love is the only thing that'll have you looking at the dude that is crazy that doesn't love you that has shown you repeatedly he is not the one and you sit up there saying but he can change (laughs) love is the thing that'll make you fellas look at her and her first name is delilah and her last name is jezebel And you still saying, "No, I think God wants to use her in my life." (laughs) Love is polite. Love, is black ice. Can we talk about the snow apocalypse this week? (laughs) It was cute on Tuesday. I was annoyed by Wednesday morning. By Wednesday night, I was about to lose my mind. By Thursday morning this week, ice everywhere, I was getting ready to call the school back. I said, look, y'all called me and told me to come pick up my kids. Now I'm calling y'all. Y'all come get them. I'm about to lose my mind them in the house. It was crazy. Thursday morning I got up because I had cabin fever and I went to go work out. I got up early in the morning to go work out and I'm on my way to North Dallas to go work out and it was crazy. I loved it because none of y'all were on the road. It was beautiful and I went and I had to get the ice off my car and it was great and I was cruising. Took me 40 minutes to get there. Shout out to my Ram truck 4x4 and I got there and it was awesome. Friday morning I went out. Same place. Same destination. Didn't take me 40 minutes. Took me four and a half hours to get there because all y'all was on the road and y'all can't drive. (laughs) And it was amazing, not amazing, I dare say, terrifying to see cars on the side of the road, carnage everywhere because the ice had melted just enough for people to have the false confidence that I'm good. I don't have to slow down. I've been driving my whole life. Only to hit black ice and carnage ensued. I wonder if that's how we approach relationships. Because love is the black ice you don't see. It's the spot where you think I'm good when you don't realize love is blind. I know right about now some of y'all are like, is he going to get to scripture today? I'm already preaching. This is the appetizer. But, but, but I do want to be biblical. Cause How many remember Eve? Eve talked about love being blind. Remember Eve? Not the first lady uh, of, of the Bible. I'm talking about Eve, the first lady of the Rough Riders. It's only for the old school. Eve had this song about love is blind and I would be crazy to not play a DJ, play that real quick. Real that. Some of y'all too young to bop to this, but it went like this. Love is blind. Hey. And it'll take over your mind. What you think is love I'm trying to see who's singing to see if you really say. <laughs> love is blind, she said, and it will take over your mind. What you think is love is truly not. You need to elevate and find what a beautiful way to express the power of love's ability to blind you to that which is obvious. Eve actually wrote that song about a friend of hers who was in an abusive relationship of a guy who was literally beating her every single line. And what she could not understand was how she would get the call from her friend to come pick her up after he flew off in a rage and would beat her. And she would always go back to him. Always go back. What would make somebody do that? Love, depending on how you define it, can be blind. Maybe when I said love is blind for this series, your mind went to a Netflix series of which I've not watched a single episode but I'm connected to people who have watched it. And the people who watch it tell me about the premise of it, and I actually usually don't watch Ratchet, I mean, reality TV. But there is a premise within this show that I like. Because apparently, the people that watch it tell me that in this show, you actually don't meet the person until you have talked to them first in a little pod. And they have these little pods and you sit in the pod and you talk to the person before you actually see them. And I got to be honest, I kind of like that premise. I kind of like that premise because there is something powerful about actually having depth of conversation before you are enamored by the packaging. Oh, that's imperative to say in our culture today because we have idolized beauty in our culture today. Oh, we think that just because it's beautiful, it is beneficial. And many of us have been blinded not by love, but by the packaging. Somebody will testify in here who's been blinded by somebody that looked good but was not good for them. And there's nothing like beauty that blinds. There's nothing like the positioning of protoplasm or silicone that blinds. There's nothing like their pulchritude or the exterior sometimes that can blind you to the danger of their character and who they are on the inside. You ain't got to testify here. Maybe testify later. But is there anybody that's ever had somebody that had beautiful packaging, but the content of their character was hor? and sometimes it's good to have depth of conversation before you're blinded by the packaging, before you're blinded by the filter, before you're fooled by the fillers, before you're blinded by the Botox. Because ladies, what good is a six-pack if he has a sick mind? What good is tall, dark, and handsome if he's small-minded, emotionally absent, and verbally abusive? Oh, everybody going to get it this serious. Fellas, (laughs) what good is her being voluptuous if she is volatile? Maybe I'm just crazy, but it seems to me I I would rather have somebody with less curves that is kind than a whole lot of curves that come with a whole lot of crazy (laughs) and jealousy. (laughs) And at some point in your life, you got to move past what you see in the packaging and get down to the depth of character of who they are that can only be found through conversation. Maybe I even shouldn't say love is blind, but maybe I should also talk about this. How lust (laughs) will blind. Oh, lust will blind. Love is blind, but lust will blind. And if you're not careful, you'll be on the other side of somebody who's telling you they're in love with you, but they're really in lust with you. And here's the litmus test. Is are they always taking instead of giving? If they're in lust, lust just takes. Lust can only give for a season, but it's only to get what they need in return. There will be no self-sacrifice or serving when somebody is blinded by lust. So that's what I want to talk about for a couple of weeks. This just this just the appetizer. Elbow that other neighbor one more time. Say, oh, I really know this series is for you. They say, uh, they say that love is blind, but then they say that marriage is the eye-opener. All the married people, make some noise real quick. All my married people, one more time. Married people, come on y'all, one more time, make noise, married people. Married people, will you tell the dating people that love is blind in dating, but when you get married, Oh my goodness. You will see. You will see in 4K. You will see with clarity and precision. You will see with 2020 vision. You will see the things that that dessert at Cheesecake Factory blinded you to. I'm telling you, love is blind, but marriage is the eye-opener and married people will testify to the fact that you will see things you never saw before once you get married. And I hear some of y'all who are dating saying, I already got you, pastor. I know that. I know that marriage is different. That's why we gonna live together before we get married so I can try it out first and see, really? No, really? That's gonna work. You mean to tell me the person that you saw on the date which wasn't the real person, they were actually just their representative. You mean to tell me that that person that was able to keep up the act and the short dates, you mean to tell me that your gauge for whether you're going to marry them, is to actually move in with them so you can see all the crazy, so you can see their idiosyncrasies up close, and you are somehow convincing yourself that if you live together first and you see all of their crazy, that seeing that crazy is actually going to make you commit to them more? What? (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I don't even have to give you the fact that this is against the biblical worldview and biblical ethic. Statistics will tell you this. Thank God for the research and the data. I don't even have to tell you what the Bible says. The statistics tell you that you are 50% more likely to get a divorce if you live together with the person before you actually get married. Because it makes no sense for us to be that intimately close and for me to decide whether I am going to commit and come into covenant with you based off of trying it out. This is asinine behavior. This is cra- this is the equivalent. Oh, this is the equivalent of going to a tattoo shop. Ooh. anybody got tats? Can I see your hand? Got tats? Come on, you still go to heaven with tats? I hope I got some. <laughs> How you like that? And can you imagine, all my, ta- all my tattoo people? Can you imagine? You know, God speaks to me in illustrations. Can you imagine going to a tattoo shop, sitting down in the chair? Telling that tattoo artist, yeah, here's the design. They stencil it out. They put the little stencil on you, and here they are getting ready to go deeper and getting ready to put in the ink. And you go, ah, oh, ah, hold on, player! Come here for all that. i here for that kind of commitment. I just want to see what it looks like stenciled on and see what kind of response I get to the stencil. Then I'll make the covenant commitment to go deeper. How stupid would you, can you imagine? You, you, I mean, you, you had the thing three days. It's already washing off. Here you come the next day to the tattoo artist. Hey man, it washed off. <laughs> can you do it again? What you talking about? No, I just, I want a temporary tattoo, man. Just, just this I'm trying to see what it's like. I'm trying it out. All right, man. And they stencil it on again. Here you go. Hey man, let me see how people like this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is that real? No, we're just trying it out. Oh no, yes, faded again. How many times you think you can go to that tattoo artist before they look at you and say, Look, I am not in the business of temporary tattoos. You obviously want the appearance of permanence without the commitment. So come back to me when you are ready. To make the commitment to sit in the chair, to go all the way, to feel the pain of the needle scratching you, to want to get up and leave and have me say, no, I'm not finished yet, and to stay in the chair, let it scab, then heal, and then you have something to show. Mm. This is what nobody wants to do in a relationship. We keep getting temporary tattoos, and we're wondering why it's washing off. Because we're fighting against the way our God, the creator of sex and relationships made it. And God's saying, you got to come to me or you're walking around blind, blind, blind by your own opinion, blind by your own ideology of the way you think it should be. And it never works. Hear me today. Anybody can fall in love Falling in love is easy. Staying in love? That's what the psalmist said is work, 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 work. <laughs> and we keep getting out of the chair because we don't go, want to go through the pain of the work. Oh, now hear me today. Please, I told you there's nuance in this series. I understand that there are times, stay with the illustration where you've gotten the tattoo and it's like, hey, this is not working out because of the physical abuse or the infidelity we could go on and on but even in that I've never heard of an amicable divorce every divorce is painful it's like removing a tattoo you can get it off you can put something on top of it you can get the laser but there's always going to be scarring there's always going to be some type of damage why are we warring against the way God created something to be and so as we go into this series there's three mentalities that really have to be debunked before we go deeper in this series, okay? Three mentalities that I wanna address. And and the first mentality I want us to look at is what I call the Disney mentality. (laughs) Disney mentality. And I define the Disney mentality as a person who's fallen in love with falling in love. The Disney, this is what is depicted in Disney and movies. It's where we sit with the popcorn and we watch two individuals for an hour and a half go through a whole lot of drama, and we know they're supposed to be together, but they don't know it. And then they finally get together at the end of the movie, and then they kiss, and then they end it. They end it right there. It is what I call the Disney mentality, where you have fallen in love with fallen in love, and so you love the emotions and the drama of falling in love, but you don't realize that after the wedding ceremony, after you say, I do, just because you said, I do, doesn't mean you can And there's gonna be some natural work. No wonder God put Adam and Eve in a garden that had to be worked, that had to be cultivated. He did not put artificial turf in the Garden of Eden. It had to be cultivated. But if you're not careful, if you're approaching a relationship with this notion of I just wanna fall in love, we're falling in love, this Disney mentality, it is going to be detrimental for you becoming who God has called you to be and for your relationship. If I was producing Disney movies, oh, it'd be a different Disney movie because I've been married 11 years. I want to see how it played out. Don't stop at the kiss for me. I want to see the rest of the movie. I need a Beauty and the Beast part too. I want to see where Belle is annoyed saying if you keep shedding all over this house, I'm going to lose my mind, okay? You know I got allergies and so I want to see that movie. That's why I want to see Ariel. I know you're so glad that you're out of the sea, but how do y'all work out where you're going to spend Christmas, okay? when he can't even go underwater. He said, I got to put on this scuba suit to go see your family under the sea every year. That's the movie I want to see. I want to see Aladdin, Princess Jasmine. I want to see how that played out. Because yes, it was nice when you flying on the carpet, but have you checked this dude's credit score? Do you know what his financial picture is? He was stealing earlier. I want to know how that's working out now. Because we're going we to have a problem if I'm trying to get a vacation home and save for retirement and you're buying Gucci and Chanel and Prada every day and you're wearing our kid's future. <laughs> oh, I don't want to be real. But if you got the Disney mentality, all you think about, oh, what is our hashtag going to be? Should have fallen in love with falling in love. Second mentality is the compatibility mentality. The compatibility mentality. And the compatibility mentality understands there is no such thing as the one. But there is the right one. There's no such thing. I'll take that one clap. (laughs) There's no such thing as the one. Let me explain. I do not believe that there is only one person in the world for you. And if you don't meet that one person, you out. Come on, y'all. Just use your cognitive aptitude, okay? If there's only one person in the world for me, and that's the one person I'm supposed to have, okay, what if they live in Singapore and I ain't got a passport? (laughs) I'm obviously gonna miss out on that one that was created for me. I don't believe that. I don't believe that there's the one. I do believe there's the right one. There's the right one. And the challenge of dating, ooh, is dating is discernment for compatibility. That is the challenge of dating, and I'm so glad. I'm not doing it. (laughs) Because that right there, ooh, is tough. It's tough to not go so far that I'm caught up in emotions that I don't see that this isn't going to work. I often say, you don't even know who a person is until you see them get angry. Just see them get angry. Again, you dating a representative. See them when they're mad. Watch how they treat people that can do nothing for them. Let me just brag on my boo. You know why I love that girl? Because I watched how she treated people that could do nothing for her. I watched how Taylor Madu loved other people who could do nothing for her. And when I watched that, when we were dating, I said, if she can love them like that, I know she can love me. I watched how she treated people because I had a vision. I knew I was called to do this. Ooh, that's another servant for the series because you're so busy looking for the person that you have totally forgotten about your purpose. Yeah. Your spouse is supposed to be a help. Mate, what they gonna help you do? Play Call of Duty? Do you actually have a purpose? <laughs> is there some, Do you have a vision for your life that a girl can come alongside and say, girl, I can help you build that? Yeah. Ladies, I thought I would get a whole lot more amens right there from y'all. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's what women do. They can, they can expand it. You give a woman a house, she gonna make it a home. Have candles all up in there. You put some food in the pantry, she gonna make a meal she'll, she'll, she'll expand it. You got a business, she'll come alongside. Don't send that email. Let me read it. <gasps> Do you actually have a vision for her to build alongside? Are you just trying to find a person and they haven't found your purpose? And so, what was I talking about? Yeah. <gasps> So I'm saying, I saw myself with her when we were dating. We'd be talking, I'd be like, hmm. I wonder how she would talk in the green room with other people. I watched for it because I knew my purpose. And so compatibility happens in the season of dating where you're discerning. And this is difficult, and I pray for y'all who are dating. And you really need to be leaned into the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because it is not easy. That's what church man, when people, what's the biblical model of dating? There ain't none. There's no scripture on dating. The cultural context was two parents saw another set of parents and said, you got a boy, I got a girl. They playing together in a sandbox. Let's arrange this. You didn't even have a say in that biblical culture. So the challenge today in dating is finding compatibility. So that's one mentality. But here's the mentality That is the most detrimental. You got the Disney. Fall in love with Fall in Love. You got Compatibility. There is no such thing as the one. There is the right one. But here is the one that will wreck this whole series if you have even some semblance of this crazy ideology in your head. And it's this. I call it the insanity mentality. And here's the insanity mentality. Is that once I find the right one, everything will be all right. That's the problem. The problem with me is I haven't found the right one. But once I find the right one, I'll be happy. Once I find the right one, I'll have joy. See, the reason I don't have joy is because of you. You ain't the right one, and that is the biggest lie, but we buy into it all the time. You think if you find the one, you'll be fine, and it is a lie from the pit of hell. Nobody can fix you. Nobody can make you whole. Nobody can carry the weight of your insecurity. There is only one person that can carry the weight of you being not whole, and his name is Jesus. If you put that pressure on any other person, they will crumble. But we buy into this lie that if I find the right one, everything will be all right. And there are people who have found the right one and have found out that's not true. You can find the right one and it's still not be right. Because whatever you bring into the relationship that's wrong with you, you bring it into the relationship. But yet we buy into this lie. No, if I find the right one, I'm going to stop looking at porn. Really? If I find the right one, my insecurity will be gone. It's just going to dissipate. No. It's going to magnify. And here's the cycle the enemy wants you on. He wants you to buy into the lie that if you find the right one, everything will be all right. And then you find that right one, and then you realize everything is not all right. And then you wake up one night and go, oh, my God. I got the wrong right one. I thought that was the right one, but they're the wrong right one. So I got to get out of this. And then you start fantasizing. Yeah. Dang, I should have gone with Ted. Yeah. Oh, I'm telling you, Jackie would be a whole lot better. And so you leave one relationship to go to the next right one. And then you find out they're the wrong right one. And they're not giving you what the other wrong right one was giving you. And his relationship After the relationship, after the relationship, until you realize that only God can fix that hole that is in your soul. Maybe we need to change our narrative from finding the right one to becoming the right one. That goes for those of you who are dating, that goes for those of you who are married. Maybe we need to become the white. Maybe we need to fantasize. What would it be like if I didn't lose my temper? What, what would this relationship be like if I actually had patience? This is what blew my mind. I'll go back through my list. Nobody said, Pastor Robert, can you talk about uh, how I can deal with my unforgiveness and bitterness? Yeah. Nobody wrote that. Nobody. Wrote, can, can you talk about how I am easily angered? Pastor Rob, can you really do a message on control? Because I have a control problem and I'm manipulating control people through my emotions. And when I don't get my way in the relationship, I'm passive aggressive. Nope, nope, none of that. It was like, can you fix my husband? Can you help him see? Because we bought into this lie that if I find the right one, everything will be all right. God is calling us to take the blinders off, fix our eyes on him so we can become the one that we're looking for. I'm gonna ask the worship team to join me. You're already here, shout out Will. Where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. Towards the end of Jesus' ministry, he's got his disciples with him, and the cross is close. And in these last moments of his life, he, uses this beautiful metaphor for relationships. He says, this is what I want you to understand. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you're going to bear much fruit. Which, by the way, how many of you know your life right now is bearing fruit? For good or for bad, you are currently bearing fruit I want to talk to you who's thinking that you can just do whatever you want and casually date and sleep with whoever you want and not text back and I just want to let you know your life is bearing fruit and when that gets old one day what story are you going to tell your kids are you going to be able to look at somebody that you dated in the past and can they look at you and say, you know what? I, it didn't work out with us, but man, he was a man of integrity. It didn't work out with us, but man, you know what? She was amazing. Are you going to have to hide or move to a different state? Because you make decisions that are bearing fruit. What story are you going to tell your kids? We're all writing our story. He says, if you'll remain in me, my word remains in you. You're going to bear much fruit. Then he says, if you truly love me, you'll keep my commands. I see the disciples getting excited about the fruit stuff, and it's like, oh, all we got to do is remain in him, and then they're like, oh, here you go with these commands. What's the commands, Jesus? I thought you were taking us out of the law. What's the command? Not a long list. Just one. It's John chapter 13. Look at what Jesus says. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's how simple it is. Just love other people the way I've loved you. Oh, no wonder we can't get it right. I cannot release the love that I have not first been aware of to receive it's when I know how loved I am that I'm able to be a conduit of that love to somebody else this is what Jesus is saying towards the end of his life he's saying look y'all have had three years with me you've seen how patient I've been with you Peter you've seen how patient I've been with you bro you saw me wash your feet you saw me In humility, serve you. When I'm the creator of the universe, you've received my love. Now love other people that way. No wonder we're so broken in loving other people. We're not fully aware of how much we have been loved. If this vertical relationship is not right, the horizontal relationships will never work. I've got to know how much he loves me. And I love it because you read that verse and you're like, okay, love, love other people just like you have loved me. Well, okay, I wish I had more clarity, Jesus, because that's kind of hard. And I love it because in the book of Corinthians, we get some clarity. I'm gonna do later in the series, a whole message out of Corinthians. Because how many you know, when Paul writes to the church of Corinth, he may as well be writing to the church of Social Dallas. This is a young church that's exploding, that's blowing up, gifted, talented, brilliant, but jacked up, immersed in a culture that is completely antithetical to the ways of Jesus. You got people who have had genuine encounter with Jesus, who have given their lives to him, but they also used to get down and have orgies. And so now I'm trying to figure out, how does my sexual ethic play out when I've had such a pagan background? All of us are struggling between God's ideal and our reality. That's what Corinthians is about. Paul is trying to help this church at Corinth. I'm going to challenge you. You ought to read just 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians in this series. Because Paul may as well be writing to the church at Social Dallas. Matter of fact, you know, it's crazy how God speaks. You know I'm excited about our headquarters. Have you noticed yet? And God's been speaking through this building. Because I was studying Corinthians and the church of Corinth, and I'm like, yo, this is the church of Social Dallas. Because Paul speaks to their disunity. He speaks to their immaturity. He says, y'all gotta go deeper and grow up. And he speaks to their sexual immorality. I was like, yo, this is the church of Social Dallas. And I remember going to our headquarters, and I remember when I walked in, the first thing I saw was our address, which is 2021. And maybe this don't mean nothing to you, but I was like, yo, that's the year we were founded? Then I looked at the street we were on, and the street was cockerel. Cockerel, man, I mean nothing to you, but you know what a cockerel is. It's a young rooster that's immature, that's less than a year. I'm like, yep, that's what we were in 2021, just a young rooster, not fully developed. And if that wasn't enough, I looked to the left at the cross street, and the cross street was Corinth. So yo, this is our building. So, if you're stuck in John 13 and you're going, God, what does that mean to love others how you love me? I wish I had some clarity. How do I do that? Ooh, thank God for Paul writing to the church of Corinth. Fast forward from John 13 and go to 1 Corinthians 13, where he defines this love and says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And we read that scripture at weddings, don't we? I've done it and we get so excited like, oh, isn't this beautiful? But we don't realize that Paul wrote that to a young church just like ours. And the reason he made up that letter, this is because those were the things they weren't doing he was calling them to live out the gospel not just in their words but in their deeds in their actuality in their sexuality that's what Paul was calling them to do there's a reason he picked those specific things on this list oh maybe that's what God is looking for instead of you saying I wish you would fix my spouse God I wish that they would become better maybe we should take off the blinders and fix our eyes on Jesus and to grow in all of those things but it's the trick of the enemy to say "Oh, let me look for the right one instead of becoming the right one <laughs> it's the trick of the enemy to point out all the flaws in your spouse instead of turning the light on you and saying can I fill my name in on that blank can I put my name where love is you can't do it I'll do it Robert is patient Robert is kind Robert does not envy. Robert does not boast. Robert is not proud. Robert does not dishonor others. Robert is not self-seeking. Robert is not easily angered. Robert keeps no record of wrongs. Robert does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Robert always protects. Robert always trusts. Robert always hopes. Robert always perseveres. Why y'all clapping? I ain't clapping you know how far I am from that list keeps no record of wrong. I'm an Enneagram five I will pull up what date you did the wrong with receipts of it I am so far from that list but I'm so glad God is not through with me yet this is why I gotta go deeper this is why I keep my eyes on Jesus the author and the Perfector of my faith because it's not on me it's on him if I keep my eyes fixated on his love he will just that demons tremble the power of his name is that you can put his name right there on that list because how many you know Jesus is patient Jesus is kind Jesus does not envy Jesus does not boast Jesus is not proud that's why he came from heaven to earth and put on human skin Jesus. not dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. That's why he died on the cross. Jesus is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. That's why he throws your sin in the sea of forgetfulness. Jesus does not delight in evil but Jesus rejoices with the truth because he is the way, the truth and the life. Jesus always protects. Jesus always trusts. Jesus always hopes. Jesus always perseveres. His name works. Love is blind. It'll take over your mind. What you think is love is truly not. You need to elevate and find this beautiful Savior that as I behold him, I become like him so true that Paul will say forget your gifts of the Spirit if you don't have love you can be as gifted as all get out gifts are given fruit is a byproduct of relationship if you're not growing on that list stop telling people you have relationship with Jesus because day by day we all should be on a journey of growing would you bow your heads with me Father Thank you for your word. God, thank you for the beginning of what I truly believe is going to be a life altering, mind renewing, destiny changing series. Father, we come before you today fully aware of the fact that our horizontal relationships can't be right until we have the vertical one right. Help us, Jesus help us to receive your love help us God to be a conduit of the love that you have so given us God you've been patient with us how can we not be patient with others God you've been so kind to us how can we not be kind to others God, I'm praying today that you would change our mentality from believing the lie that the right person is going to make everything all right. Lord, we hold on to the truth. You are truth personified. You are love personified. Start today. In Jesus' name.